Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule, so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Tonight on The Readout. I was asked by the U.S. Attorney's Office of the Southern District to stand down uh, on our investigation, which had commenced involving the Trump Organization. And I was somewhat surprised after uh, Mr. Cohen pleaded guilty uh, that the federal government did not proceed on, uh, on the areas in which it asked me to stand down. Former Manhattan DA Cy Vance revealed why it has taken so long to get to this point, just hours from the fingerprinting of the first criminally indicted former president. And as we've been seeing all day, Trump's strategy is to turn this humiliating moment in his life, tomorrow's arraignment in a Manhattan courtroom, into a media spectacle. Omarosa Manigault Newman, who knows a thing or two about Trump and spectacle, joins me tonight to discuss. And that is where we begin tonight, on the eve of a legal reckoning for Donald J. Trump in New York City. Trump made an ignominious return to his former home today, ahead of his history-making day in court tomorrow, as the first American president ever charged with a crime. We are less than 24 hours from Trump's expected arraignment in a Manhattan courtroom on likely charges that he falsified documents in hush money payments to porn actress Stormy Daniels. The details of the indictment remain under seal. But we do know some details about what lies ahead for the reality show star turned politician. The twice impeached former president will spend tonight at Trump Tower, his 80s style apartment where he'll have access to his signature golden toilets before heading to the courthouse tomorrow morning, where he will get a taste of how the rule of law works for every other criminal defendant in America. He's expected to surrender and he'll be fingerprinted. Whether he'll get a mug shot remains up in the air. But he's not likely to be handcuffed or placed in a holding cell, a nod to his unlikely election to the highest office in the land. In a sign of the circus to come, Trump's journey from Palm Beach to New York was given the full O.J. Simpson white Bronco treatment today, with aerial cameras tracking his every move as New York City braces for the spectacle with security a top concern, especially as the former president has called on his supporters to protest, warning of death and destruction. And according to The Guardian's Hugo Lowell, Trump has told associates that he is prepared to escalate his attacks on Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg. In a statement Sunday, an NYPD spokesperson said officers have been placed on alert and will remain ready to respond as needed ahead of Trump's court appearance, noting that there are no current credible threats to New York City. Today, Mayor Eric Adams made clear New York City is not here to play with Donald, and he put his followers on notice. While there may be some rabble-rousers thinking about coming to our city tomorrow, our message is clear and simple. Control yourselves. New York City is our home, not a playground for your misplaced Anger. And although we have no specific threats, people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is known to spread mis- misinformation and hate speech, uh, she stated she's coming to town. While you're in town, be on your best behavior. As reality catches up to Trump in Manhattan, it's far from his only legal problem. The probe in Georgia could be the next shoe to drop. 
A source familiar told NBC News that Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis's office is watching how things unfold in Manhattan. And while Trump did not testify in that investigation, the AP notes the grand jury there didn't foreclose the possibility of charges against him, with that case being particularly challenging for him since his actions were so public. In the meantime, in special counsel Jack Smith's investigation into Trump's retention of classified documents at Mar-a-Lago, according to the Washington Post, the Justice Department has uncovered new evidence pointing to possible obstruction, writing that investigators now suspect, based on witness statements, security camera footage, and other documentary evidence, that boxes including classified material were moved from a Mar-a-Lago storage area after the subpoena was served, and that Trump personally examined at least some of those boxes. Despite all his legal peril, Trump's Republican supporters and even his potential 2024 opponents are still sounding like it's 2016, defending the MAGA cult leader with that particular combination of fake outrage and terror that we've all come to know, if not to respect. It feels obvious to a lot of us that it's politically motivated, it's personally motivated. It's one thing when you have a, a, a cancel culture, it's another when you have a cancel criminal justice system. So now he turns around purely for political purposes and indicts a former president on misdemeanor offenses that they're straining to try to convert into felonies. That is when you know that the law has been weaponized for political purposes. We're going to have to look at the appropriations process and limit funds going to some of these agencies, particularly the ones who are engaged in the most egregious behavior. So the DOJ and the FBI. Yeah. Lots of crying there. Joining me now is Joyce Vance, former U.S. attorney, professor at the University of Alabama School of Law and MSNBC legal analyst, and Michael Steele, former RNC chair, MSNBC political analyst and host of the Michael Steele podcast. I will add to that uh, sea of people who are super angry about uh, Trump's um, uh, agonistes, Viktor Orban, the prime minister of Hungary, who tweeted support, keep up fighting, Mr. President, we are with you. So Donald Trump can count on Viktor Orban's support, as well as the American Viktor Orban in Florida. Uh, I do want to go to you first on this, Joyce, though, um, because we finally did get an answer to the question we kind of did know the answer to. And this was when Cy Vance said on Meet the Press this weekend that, yeah, the reason that there was no prosecution uh, of Trump on the state charges that he's now potentially facing, because, again, we haven't seen this indictment, is that he was asked not to by the DOJ um, and that they were asked to put on hold. Let me just play it one more time. This is um, Cy Vance talking about what Barr asked him to do. We learned from the Southern District of New York uh, that they asked us to stand down. And by stand down, I mean they were communicating that they had this ongoing investigation and they wished that we uh, put our efforts on hold um, while they completed their investigation. And so for the course of probably more than a year and a half, that's what we did. Uh, I was surprised after Michael Cohen pleaded guilty that the investigation from the Southern District on that issue did not go forward. Joyce fans, that sounds pretty clearly like Barr uh, played the averages, uh, uh, prosecuted Michael Cohen, but somehow got Trump uh, out of trouble. 
It's even worse when you put it together with reporting that suggests that Barr also forbade prosecutors in the Southern District of New York to continue the investigation after Cohen. Because if all of this adds up to Barr telling both federal and state prosecutors that they couldn't go after the former president, couldn't continue to investigate, then Barr has a lot of uh, questions to answer and needs to do that in a public forum fairly promptly. Yeah. And, and Michael, it, it kind of messes up the narrative of all the people that are screaming in the Republican Party because it was Barr who prosecuted Michael Cohen on the same facts. But now they're saying, how dare this local prosecutor on the same facts indict or the grand jury, I should say, indict this guy? Well, exactly. And in fact, if we recall, uh, not only did they not uh, whine and wail and gnash their teeth at the prosecution of, of Michael Cohen, uh, they, in some circles, applauded it because the belief was he would be the fall guy. He would be the quintessential fall guy, take the rap, uh, be the good doobie and, and fold for Trump. But when he really didn't, in the end, they turned on him. And so here they now find themselves in this unenviable position of trying to justify how you you can look at the same set of facts have one person go to jail and another person you're willing to defend to the hilt uh, who not only paid for it, but ordered it <laughs> It ordered the, the guy Cohen to go and do it in the first place. Because I don't think Michael Cohen on his own would just go out and grab one hundred thirty thousand dollars to pay a porn star unless he was directed to do so by I don't know who Donald Trump. So this yeah. is this is the reality for a lot of these Republicans right now. But of course, we don't live in that reality. We live they live on Earth, two. We're on Earth one where we have the, the counsel and guidance of individuals like Joyce Vance who keep us focused on the rule of law and the fact patterns. And then you have what the Republicans are doing, which is trying to distort all of that. We want to do the show. We're going to go out yeah. and we're going to do the dog and pony for Trump and muddle the waters as much as possible. Right. I mean, the clown show will continue with Marjorie Green, who, you know, somehow yeah. found herself on 60 Minutes, uh, is now coming to, you know, to whip up the circus act in New York City. She's going to find out she might not like New York because New Yorkers really <laughs> they ain't really here for that kind of nonsense. OK, uh, don't try that. Uh, that mess doesn't really go down too well in New York City, Marge. Uh, let, let me go back to Barr for just a second, Joyce, because he seems to want to have it both ways. I mean, he he says, well, I'm not Donald Trump's attorney. Yeah, but you were when you were attorney general, uh, Mr. Uh, bar. And he also has said that he wouldn't advise him to get on the stand because Trump essentially is a blabbermouth. He can't stop talking and he won't be able to control himself. He said he has zero self-control. Well, you know what? A broken clock is right once a day. Here is Donald Trump displaying his complete lack of self-control. And I just want you to anticipate him as a witness, not just in this case necessarily, but in general, because there are multiple cases he could be in theory dealing with. Here he is with his friend Sean Hannity. I can't imagine you ever saying, um, bring me some of the boxes that we brought back from the White House. I'd like to look at them. Did you ever do that? I would have the right to do that. There's nothing wrong with it. But I know you. I don't think you would do it. Well, I, I don't have a lot of time, but I would have the right to do that. Right. I would do that. There'd be All right, let me wrong. move on. Let me Remember this. Yeah. This is the Presidential Records Act. I have the right to take stuff. Do you know that they ended up paying Richard Nixon, I think, $18 million for what he had? 
Chevy Joyce. This is in the case that might be the most troublesome for him in terms of stealing classified documents and having them under his bed in Mar-a-Lago. He's like, I have the right to do that. I can do that. I can take those things. They're mine. Can you imagine him on the stand in this case? You know, if I wanted to date a porn star, I have a right to do that. Is that what we're looking forward to? If he gets on the stand in this case, if I wanted to pay her, can't I pay her? Like, this guy can't control himself. I did not know you could do such a spot-on imitation of the former president, Joy, and I'm delighted to learn that. Look, it's the last statement here that's the kicker when he says Richard Nixon got $18 million, and all of a sudden we're seeing the motive. Trump thought that someone was going to pay him money to return all the classified documents that he took. Um, This clip is a great example of why Donald Trump can never take the witness stand and should never be on television, frankly. I'm sure Jack Smith is just enjoying that clip no end. It's essentially a confession. Trump on the witness stand um, in the Manhattan DA's case would certainly be interesting because the problem Donald Trump has is he can't resist temptation. He always has to go one up, and he has that fatal flaw that you sometimes see in a defendant as a witness where they think that they're the smartest guy in the room, and it never plays well for them. It's in some ways very painful to see a defendant try to do that. So no, he can't be a witness. Bill Barr knows it, and I think it's worth pointing out that this is the same Bill Barr who's now criticizing his former boss, but who, when he resigned um, in December, just before the end of the administration, talked about what an honor it had been to serve and Donald Trump's many important accomplishments. So look, all of these folks who were around Trump, they're responsible for this spectacle that the country is enduring now. Indeed. And, you know, Michael, so when you think about that, the Republicans are, you know, in abject fear of this guy and running around defending him, he could theoretically have to testify in the E. Jean Carroll rape case. God knows what he will say on the stand there. In this case, where he cannot stand up to the credibility of Stormy Daniels, who's the one with the receipts, he and Michael Cohen, also with receipts, you, the classified documents, he's already seemingly admitted that he wanted to sell them for money. You could just go on and on and on. He's facing a blizzard of potential legal cases. Yeah. Can Republicans sustain this level of pretend outrage for all of them? Are they going to have to just yes. recycle the same defense over and over and over again? Yes, they'll recycle the same defenses over and over again. They will put a new spin on it if they have to. Um, They will do what is necessary to forestall as much of this litigation uh, as possible. Um, The the play is, is not a complicated one, Joy. It is to rally around and build the wall of protection and to push forward in such a way that this thing gets past the November 2024 election, at which point Donald Trump gets reelected president and there's nothing that can be further that can be done. So that's the game plan. That's the strategy. You've seen the numbers uh, over the weekend on the heels of this uh, for Trump go up. He's now over 51 percent. DeSantis, just a little footnote for you, baby. Your numbers are dropping again. I don't know what to tell you, boy, but that's where you are. Um, And this only this only moves further in that direction. Uh, so there's going to see this, this phalanx is going to be devised to sort of create the wedge narratively and rhetorically, uh, as well as politically for this president, a former president, um, and now indicted felon. Uh, and we'll see what what comes of it. But that's the game plan. And, and just one quick last point. 
on the whole thing that Joyce was just addressing uh, about putting Trump on the stand. The other problem is his lawyers told him he couldn't take the documents. <laughs> his lawyers <laughs> told him what the what the presidential record acts uh, required and maintained. So it's you can he can't even. Give a good ignorance defense, right? <laughs> because his lawyers told him over and over. So, uh, oh, and and I will note that he has some new lawyers who are actually serious uh, litigators. Hopefully, some of that money, if he really did raise four million, because he does tend to embellish, went right to them up front. Y'all get paid in advance. That's all I'm going to advice. <laughs> to Donald Trump's lawyers. Get your money up front. Joyce Vance and Michael Steele, thank you. Up next on The Readout, Trump's strategy for fighting this indictment is coming into focus, and it all feels disturbingly familiar. The Readout continues after this. I can't do Today and every day, Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Lawmakers who oppose abortion are attacking Planned Parenthood, which means affordable, high-quality, basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. The right to control our bodies and get the health care we need has been stolen from us. And now, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills that would block people from getting the sexual and reproductive care they need. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves health care. It's a human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common-sense policies that protect our right to control our own bodies and against policies that interfere with decisions between patients and their doctor. Planned Parenthood needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, we can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future. That's PlannedParenthood.org future. I have great respect for you. I have great respect for your tenacity, for the fact that you just don't give up. But Rod, you're fired. <laughs> that was Donald Trump firing former Illinois Democratic Governor Rod Blagojevich on The Apprentice, the show that duped millions of Americans into thinking Trump was actually a good businessman and presidential material. You know, such a serious show that the reason Blagojevich was fired was because he got his Harry Potter facts wrong. Blago's role on The Apprentice was notable because he had been charged with plotting to auction off Barack Obama's former Senate seat in Illinois. He blatantly used the show to rehab his image ahead of his trial, saying on the premiere that he's doing that show because, quote, I've been wronged and maliciously accused of things I didn't do, despite there being literal tapes of him doing the things. Trump later said he felt badly for the former governor when he was convicted. At that time, Blagojevich had mostly lost the support of the Democratic Party. It was similar when Detroit's Democratic mayor, Kwame Kilpatrick, got indicted for lying about covering up an affair and subsequently obstructing justice, with Democrats distancing themselves to the extent that he wasn't even invited to the DNC convention. Nothing like the partisan furor we're witnessing from Republicans over Trump's indictment. Trump wound up commuting both men's sentences, calling Blagojevich's sentence unfair. So Trump knows full well that he is not the only elected official who's ever been indicted. But he is doing what he's best at, creating a spectacle by turning his looming arraignment into his newest reality show. This morning, we watched Trump's car head to the airport in Florida, a la O.J. Simpson's slow speed chase followed by literal Trump trackers recording his private planes every move and New York police escorting his car from LaGuardia Airport to Trump Tower. 
Trump heads to the courthouse tomorrow. And when his arraignment is over, he will fly back to Florida. And, and I am not making this up. Deliver an address to the nation on his, quote, political persecution. Joining me now is Omarosa Manigault Newman, former Trump White House aide, and Tim O'Brien, senior executive editor at Bloomberg Opinion and an MSNBC political analyst. Omarosa, thank you for being here. I, I wanted to talk to you because you have the unique um, position of having both been on The Apprentice and really, I would argue, probably being the star of The Apprentice, the star uh, cast member on The Apprentice, and also working in Trump's White House. So mm -hmm. what do you make, as somebody who knows this man, of his strategy? Um, there is a Guardian report that even his mugshot, that they will, there will be a mugshot, and that Trump has actually asked whether his team could print said mugshot on T-shirts that he could serve, that could serve as a rallying motif for his supporters. Your thoughts? Well, first of all, I just uh, thank you for having me on, Joy. I just want to mark that it's 20 years from when we first arrived at Trump Tower and the first time I rode on that Trump plane uh, that we shot The Apprentice. So it's very, very appropriate that you started out with that clip of The Apprentice. But in terms of Donald Trump and the spectacle, Donald wants to make everybody think that he's being persecuted, that someone is doing something wrong to him and that he has done absolutely nothing wrong in this case. But finally, Donald Trump is facing something he's never Never face joy, and that's accountability. And yes, he's going to try to pivot and distract and make you all think that he's not upset or nervous, but Donald Trump is terrified. And I could just certainly tell by his telltale signs, his expression on his face, he doesn't look well. So no matter what he's saying out of his mouth, he is terrified. Yeah. You and Michael Cohen have said the same thing that, you know, that he's trying to play it big, you know, and Tim, he's using his minions to play it big for him. Right. To sort of make this sort of pretense that he's not he's unbothered. Uh, Hogan Gidley, uh, one of the folks who disgraced themselves uh, in, in publicly uh, to be a sycophant to Trump. This is what he said to Time magazine. And I am not making this up. This is a quote. It's in quotes. We will have a mugshot. For the record, it will be the most manly, most masculine, most handsome mugshot of all time. He's, he was joking. Uh, I can say that definitely before having even seen it. Like he has to say his people have to say things like that to buck him up. Right. But come on. You know, Joy, before I give you a serious answer to that serious question, I want to note that I think in the previous segment, you channeled Donald Trump for the first time. We've been doing this for seven or eight years, and I think that might be the first time you've channeled Donald Trump live. You've, you sang a Christmas carol to me once off camera. I did. That was, I was five years ago, but I don't remember you ever doing Donald Trump. So I think we should just make a note. I think a chapter has been opened here that we can't look back. Um, don't, 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 know, don't, 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 let me preview my reality show in my own time and, and space. Uh, Tim. Right. My, 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 my variety right. show is coming up soon. There'll be song and dance. <laughs> um, you know, Omarosa got at some of this, and, and it's part of my response to your question, which is that Donald Trump has an incredibly cinematic sense of himself. Uh, he thinks of himself constantly as the star, the director, the producer, and the scriptwriter of his own movie. And, and because of that, he always wants to be in control. He wants to be in control of his image. He wants to be in control of the process. And the people around him that kiss up to him the most effectively play to that. Uh, they play to his vanity. They play to his insecurities about his masculinity. And, and I think that's why this is such um, uh, a dangerous, actually, position for him to be in, in including one that I do think is scaring him because 
Um, he's not in control of the circumstances under which he's going to be paraded in front of the, the public. They are humiliating circumstances. Uh, the legal process, at least on this case, has now drawn to one of its first conclusions, and he's not in control of that any longer. So he's going to go to his two defaults. He's going to try to pretend that he's feeling something he isn't, which I do think he's afraid and he's unsure because he's also slogging through a tar pit of other lawsuits that are coming at him. Um, and, and I think he's going to default to violence. He's going to incent people to rise up in his name. And, and so this cartoonish buffoonery that surrounds him has some very real dangers embedded in it. And I think we have to watch for that. And, and his enablers aren't just the Boris Epsteins and the Hogan Gidleys of the world, they're members of the Republican Party as well, the Marjorie Taylor Greens and the Jim Jordans. And, and there's a real failure in leadership right now within the GOP to call him out on, on the attacks he is he's launching against civic institutions, including the courts. Well, and including Omarosa, this DA. I mean, it just so happens that two out of the three prosecutors, well, three out of the four, actually, if you include the state AG in New York, are, are African-American. And, you know, it, you, we've talked about this before, his strange uh, place on race, right? So he's got that obvious place to attack and obviously his misogyny. I mean, Stormy Daniels has already owned him on social media talking about the uh, scale uh, of what he's bringing to the table. Let's just put it that way. And it being a tiny scale. There's so much to mock about him that's there for the late night shows. That's, you know, it, it, this is going to be rough, whether his supporters are loud in his support, in support of him or not. Mm -hmm. But remember, at first it was Hillary, you know, the lock her up and 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 then it was the Democrats. They're all coming after me. But now he has this boogeyman he can dangle in front of his supporters. Uh, Attorney Brax is coming after me. The judge is coming after me. The entire justice system is unfair and it's coming after me. And Donald is at his best when he's in a corner and he gets to kind of fight back. And that's why he's reveling in this. This is this is his court. He's like a pig in mud. You know, all of us are watching it. We're disgusted. But he's enjoying all of this attention. And, and it really does say something that we all are watching Donald Trump profit off of a criminal procedure. I, too, don't believe that he raised four million dollars. But the fact that he is looking to grift off of a criminal procedure, it's just it's unhinged. Absolutely. Uh, it's it's shameful. It's shameful for the entire country. Um, but here we are. Uh, Omarosa Manigault, Newman, Tim O'Brien, thank you both very much. And still ahead, Ron DeSantis's latest attempts, cheers, latest attempts to hijack Florida's legislative agenda to boost his own presidential ambitions with no regard, zero regard for Floridians' health, happiness or safety. We'll be right back. When it comes to teaching kids and teens about money, Practice makes perfect. That's where Greenlight comes in. With a debit card and money app of their own, kids learn to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest. Parents send instant money transfers, create custom chores, and automate allowance, while kids track their spending, set savings goals, and practice money skills they can use today and for life. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com slash podcast. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. 
The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. You may recall that one of the first targets in Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis' crusade against the right's fake boogeyman version of wokeness before books, drag brunch, and black history was Disney World, seizing control of the company's oversight board to punish Disney for its CEO speaking out against the don't say gay law. DeSantis has now ordered an investigation into Disney's stealth move to sidestep the state takeover, a sidestep that was pretty brilliant, frankly. The outgoing board stripped the new board of any significant authority until the last heir of the current king of England passes away. The rub? Charles's youngest heir happens to be Princess Lilibet, the biracial daughter of Prince Harry and Duchess Meghan. Facts that must gall America's most performatively bigoted governor. Disney's chief executive Bob Iger blasted DeSantis as anti-business and anti-Florida for his continued push for control. DeSantis is battling the Magic Kingdom to tally conservative victories ahead of a likely bid for the Republican presidential nomination. But it isn't just Mickey Mouse that he wants under state control. Today, the Florida Senate passed a DeSantis-backed abortion ban, prohibiting the procedure after six weeks before most women even know they're pregnant. Also today, a week after a Nashville school shooting left six people dead, DeSantis legalized carrying concealed weapons without a permit. The gunshine state strikes again. And joining me now is Florida State Senator Chevron Jones. And Senator Jones, um, thank you for being here. I want to go through some of this. Um, this election, uh, DeSantis is kind of going all out. He's doing the most, as, as the young people say, um, to try to notch all of these right-wing victories. He hasn't been able to fully cow Disney, but he is trying to fully cow women. This six-week abortion ban, that's gone into place. This permitless carry. Um, what has been the reaction on the ground? Well, the reaction has been exactly what we think, what we see now. Uh, we see advocates all over the state of Florida who are now in Tallahassee. And truth be told, you know, Republicans are not serious joy about less government. They are working overtime to be the teacher, to be the parent and the professor. And they want to control businesses, what happens in the bedroom and what happens in the doctor's offices. Uh, and while they are doing these extremists, uh, these policies that's really attacking Americans' rights and making us less safe. The Democrats are focused on the right issues here within the state of Florida. Uh, you just talked about the six-week abortion ban, the permitless carry bill that, uh, that we just passed on Friday. All of these things that are happening in Florida are not making us safer. They're making us less safe. And they, they call us the free state of Florida. It's not the free state of Florida at all. <clears throat> let, let, me, let me ask you about this, uh, this, this uh, ability to carry, uh, permitless carry. Um, we see literally students are in the streets uh, in Tennessee. Um, and you have three legislatures, the street state legislators who are th being threatened with expulsion for standing with them. There are huge protests going on in Tennessee. We know March for Our Lives actually originated in Florida um, after Parkland. What has been the reaction of, of, of those those young activists? Because, you know, I can only imagine the the, the mix of Florida's tourism economy, beaches, places like Disney, where apparently you're not allowed to bring firearms. Can Disney maintain its prohibition on firearms inside Disney World, given this new law? 
Well, Disney, um, a lot of the business uh, business communities were very, uh, very vocal about permitless carry and how unsafe it is. And if you want to ask really what young people are doing um, now, the young people are raising their voices. Just right now, outside of the Capitol, there are a group of young people in front of City Hall right now at 7 7.30 p.m., and they are raising their voices. Whether or not the bill has passed or not, you know, Gen Z are, is showing us one thing, that they will not sit back and allow government just to continue to roll over and do what they what they want to do. Even today in the Senate, uh, while people say say it was inappropriate, listen, they're raising their voices in different ways. They stood up and they make it clear that, yo, listen, if you don't want an abortion, don't get one. Uh, and they, and they, they just kept chanting different things. Of course, they shut the Senate um, chambers down for a few minutes. But listen, these young people are very clear what's happening. And I promise you, they will be the ones <laughs> voting in the upcoming election. Well, theoretically, because uh, there also is a new anti-voter bill that is dropping as of today. Can you please explain this bill? Because it looks like Republicans are trying to basically pull a Wisconsin and make sure that they cannot be voted out and they cannot be punished by voters. Talk about this new uh, voter bill that's dropping today. Here's what I will tell you, Joe. It, uh, um, uh, Joy, it just dropped at two o'clock p.m. today, and it's up tomorrow um, in ethics and election. We don't know the, the the gist of the bill. One of the things that we do know is that they give the discretion to the supervisor of elections um, to be if they see any inconsistency uh, in voting for, uh, or see any voting fraud, they have the ability to report it directly to the election police. The real question is, when is enough enough? Remember. After the election, they said that Florida uh, is, is where we had the most safest, fairest election. Now, all of a sudden, we're going into year two where they want to change our election laws. Yeah, listen, and this is the constant, um, the uh, the uh, the push against democracy that we're continuing to see uh, in Florida because they can't win fairly. So the only way to win is by doing things like that, changing the voting laws, making it harder for individuals to vote. It's not democracy at all. I think we all can agree on that. It's, it is interesting to see Florida turn into a state where it's basically um, a, a, a abortion is banned. Uh, students are told what to say. Teachers are told what they're allowed to teach. And companies like yep. Disney are told what they're allowed yep. to say. There is no freedom yep. in this supposedly free state of Florida other than freedom to get COVID. Uh, Florida State Senator Chevron Jones, thank you very much. Up next, a look at tomorrow's hugely consequential ex and hugely expensive election for Wisconsin Supreme Court with voting rights and women's reproductive rights on the line. Back in a sec. For better or worse, many eyes will be on Center Street in lower Manhattan tomorrow for what is an historic moment, the arraignment of a former U.S. president. But something arguably more consequential for women in this country and a huge test for our democracy will be happening hundreds of miles away, with voters in Wisconsin deciding who will control the state's Supreme Court. The court's majority will weigh in on critical issues, including a challenge to the state's pre-Civil War abortion ban, challenges to Wisconsin's Republican-drawn redistricting maps, union busting, and any legal challenges to the next presidential election. To say that the stakes could not be any higher is not hyperbole. The state has a Democratic governor, Tony Evers, and a Republican majority in the legislature that is well entrenched, given that Wisconsin is one of the most gerrymandered states in the country. The division of power means that state issues are essentially at a stalemate. The only way to get anything done is through the state judicial system. In 2020, the Wisconsin Supreme Court tossed Trump's objections to the outcome of the election. 
but they have not backed away from Republican attempts to disenfranchise voters. Since the 2020 election, the conservative majority has favored more restrictive voting measures like eliminating the use of absentee ballot drop boxes. Races for the Supreme Court in Wisconsin are officially nonpartisan, but Milwaukee County Judge Janet Protasewicz is backed by the Democrats while Republicans back Dan Kelly. Kelly previously served on the Wisconsin Supreme Court, appointed by Republican Governor Scott Walker back in 2016, but he lost his election bid in 2020. Since then, financial documents show that Kelly has aligned himself with the most extreme aspects of the Republican Party and ideological groups. Kelly provided legal counsel to Wisconsin Right to Life, an anti-abortion group that has endorsed his campaign. In February, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel reported that he was paid $120,000 by the Republican Party for, quote, election integrity issues. But what that really means is that he helped advise the Wisconsin Republican Party on how they could overturn the 2020 election by appointing fake presidential electors. And it doesn't stop there. He has campaigned with a well-known MAGA influencer who helped organize several Stop the Steal rallies and was on the Capitol grounds during the insurrection. Kelly called his help invaluable. Kelly also spoke at an event that was attended by a pastor who described the murder of an abortion provider as justifiable homicide and has supported the creation of anti-abortion-focused militia. And after the break, how the winner of tomorrow's election could make or break the state for years to come. Stay right there. I've also been very clear that any decision that I render will be made based solely on the law and the Constitution. I have told everyone I am making no promises to you, but I can tell you that if my opponent is elected, I can tell you with 100% certainty that 1849 abortion ban will stay on the books. This seems to be a pattern for you, Janet, just telling lies about me. So you don't know what I'm thinking about that abortion ban. You have no idea. No, we actually do know how Dan Kelly, candidate for Wisconsin Supreme Court, would rule because he told an NBC affiliate in Wisconsin that he would allow the pre-Civil War ban on abortion to stand because, quote, it's consistent with the Constitution. Tomorrow, we will find out if Wisconsin voters are willing to take that chance and hand him a gavel for one of the most consequential seats on the Wisconsin Supreme Court. And joining me now is Congresswoman Gwen Moore of Wisconsin and Michelle Goldberg, columnist for The New York Times and an MSNBC political analyst. She recently profiled the race for The New York Times. Um, and, and I will start with, with you, Michelle. Um, this, your, your piece was very extensive and it explained Mr. Kelly very well. Um, how extreme is this guy? Well, look, he was named in the January 6th um, in one of the depositions. Uh, a Wisconsin Republican Party official said that he had had that he was part of extensive discussions about this fake elector scheme. You know, he's about, as you said, he's been campaigning with and, you know, somebody with a pastor who calls abortion or calls the murder of abortion doctors justifiable homicide. He's been campaigning with a stop the steal activist. He is, you know, kind of as far right as as you can get. And I also I spoke to people who had served with him on the Wisconsin Supreme Court, and they were pretty unvarnished in their 
both contempt for him and in their certainty that he will vote right down the line with the Republican Party at every step. And I think it's worth pointing out that although the Wisconsin Supreme Court did throw out the challenge to um, to the Wisconsin to, to the 2020 election, they did so by one vote. Right. There were three people already on the Supreme Court who were willing to disenfranchise Wisconsin voters and essentially overturn the 2020 election. So, you know, kind of democracy is by no means assured in 2024. And, and Representative Moore, you've been very um, open and, and talked about uh, the, the, the issue of abortion that is personal to you, that you've had an experience um, that makes this a personal issue for you. But I wonder, you know, how personally Wisconsin voters, those in your district, those who you're talking to on the ground, how, how seriously, I mean, it's hard to get people to come out uh, for an April election. You know, I think they're, they're made off year in this way for a reason to, to, to produce low turnout. Are people focused on this race? Listen, thank you all. Thank you. Good to see you, Michelle. And thank you, Joy. Absolutely. Because it's not just the right to abortion, which is very, very important, but it's the right to a fair trial and a fair justice. You, you guys have made great points, but the really point that I wanted you to make is that he just seems to be a, a, a good old boy for the grand old party. You know, he's willing to support these fake electors. And so the abortion ban, the lack of the access to the ballot, uh, lack of the ability to have fair uh, political lines. Uh, this is really a threat to democracy, not only in Wisconsin, but around the country, which is why you have seen this be a nationwide campaign in the fight to really define uh, 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 whether or not we're going to have a judiciary that is impartial. Um, you know, this is supposed to be a nonpartisan race, but it certainly is not. This is the main, main stalwart candidate of the GOP. And, you know, Michelle, you know, one of the things I got out of your piece is, I mean, the gerrymandering of Wisconsin from Scott Walker on mm -hmm. has really created minority rule in the state. You know, the state's majority is overwhelmingly yeah. in favor of abortion being legal. They can't have that with the Supreme Court. Um, the gerrymandering means that Republicans have more control than they got votes in terms of the percentages. And they can just have this lock on the state and try to disempower the, the Democratic governor to not allow the governor to exercise the powers people elected him for. I mean, the Talk about how this state and the results could radiate outside of Wisconsin in 2024. Well, yeah, like you said, Wisconsin has been a pioneer in minority rule, both after Scott Walker was elected, there was a set of extremely gerrymandered maps. Now they've since adopted even more gerrymandered maps by order of the current Supreme Court. And so what, according to one analysis that I quoted, Democrats would have to win by more than 12 points to take a bare majority of the legislature. So Republicans have basically locked it up. And a couple of years ago, when, Demo when the Wisconsinites elected a Democratic governor and a Democratic attorney general, this Republican legislature very quickly voted to strip them of all of their, or not all of their powers, but strip them of many of their powers. That was also upheld by this current Supreme Court. So this is like the one election that could undo the Republican, the decade-long Republican lock on power in Wisconsin and restore democracy, which would mean that in a you know in a, in a state as evenly split as Wisconsin is, you'll have kind of alternations of power. 
And Representative Moore, you know, the train that's never late is attempting to suppress the black vote. That's happening now. Um, the right is throwing accusations against uh, the woman candidate on Janet um, Protasiewicz, trying to claim that she used the N-word, as if Republicans' main concern in the world is people using the N-word, as if they, you know, are just heartsick over that possibility. Um, is the African-American community focused on the goal here and uh, not— standing to fall for that kind of thing? Well, listen, we know that this was an, an act of desperation on the part of, uh, of Republicans to win this election. I'm even close to accusing them of planning the bad weather we're expecting to have tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> but all, you know, seriously, you know, when you know, I'm looking at this with the same sort of seriousness yeah. that people are looking at illegal acts of Netanyahu in Israel or Georgia yeah. or, you know, this is a problem for our democracy nationwide. Yeah. Get out there and Absolutely. go fight the storm. Absolutely. It is a critical race. We'll be watching it. Congresswoman Gwen Moore, Michelle Goldberg, thank you both. And that is tonight's readout. When it comes to teaching kids and teens about money, practice makes perfect. That's where Greenlight comes in. With a debit card and money app of their own, kids learn to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest. Parents send instant money transfers, create custom chores, and automate allowance, while kids track their spending, set savings goals, and practice money skills they can use today and for life. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com podcast.